Are you mentoring anyone right now in your life? Parents would usually say yes. You know, it's kind of a default thing with kids. It's the idea. And you should absolutely be raising your kids with a mentoring kind of mindset, but there's more to mentoring than just raising kids. But what about people who don't have their own kids? Let's be real. You need to be mentoring young people too, because at the end of the day, there are a lot of young people who don't have parents in their lives, who don't have healthy, positive influences in their lives. There's also kids whose parents are just you know, dropping the ball and the kids that don't have them at all. Well, on today's show, I have author, speaker, and mentor Sam Vieira on the show to talk about mentorship and more. Guys, if you've missed his TEDx talks, you should check them out But after this show, but let's get into it for now. This is the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. We provide content to help men become the men they want to be, and today on the show, I am just grateful to have Sam Thiara join us from Vancouver, BC. Sam, welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Oh, I know. I appreciate it, Brent. I look forward to being able to share with your audience and the fact that we're in the same time zone, that's a good thing. That That is actually very nice. Uh, my last interview, he was in Australia. And so scheduling that was very exciting. And how are our neighbors to the north? You guys surviving all the heat wave we're having right now? Oh, yeah. No, I think if anything, we're going to start planting more tropical plants like mangoes and pineapples because, hey, it the temperature would make it conducive for that. So maybe this is a new industry we could start. That, that's an amazing thought. I've lived in the Pacific Northwest a good portion of my life, and the heat up here, I live in the eastern half of Washington, which is generally much warmer than what people think of when they think of Washington State, but yeah. even here, it's just been exceedingly hot this year for its norm, so it's been crazy, which makes my first question really valid. What is your favorite kind of ice cream, Sam? My favorite ice cream, actually... Can I give you two flavors? Because yeah. they're both, one is so unique, I've never heard of it before. But uh, one is green tea. I love the nuttiness of it, of that flavor. My wife likes green tea ice cream. Hey, awesome. Okay, perfect. We have a connection here. And the other one, which, if you ever get a chance to try it, is is uh, basil. It's that herb, but it's really? it's got, the, yeah, no, it's got this really unique taste because it's got the hint of basil in it. So it's got a bit of that uh, flavor to it. I know, yes. <laughs> Basil. Uh, I was really surprised by it, but yeah, try it out if you ever can find it. We we definitely like to explore flavors of ice cream around here. I uh, like to explore it a little more probably than I should for my own good, but uh, nice. So Sam, you're a lecturer at the business school at Simon Fraser University. I actually do know what that is. Uh, I watched them play the Air Force Academy down here at our hockey rink. They were working on moving to Division Four hockey. And so mm -hmm. I got to see their team take on the Air Force Academy down here. That is in or around Vancouver. Yep. it's uh, We have five campuses right in the heart of downtown Vancouver. Wow, okay. And uh, equally, our main campus sits in Burnaby, which is a suburb, and Surrey, which is a suburb of Vancouver. Okay. I, yeah. I know both places, but I just, I'm just i not famili intimately familiar with it enough to know exactly how that laid out. So yep. it's right in the heart of downtown then. Uh, so there's, yeah, a number of different campuses, but uh, the 
The main campus is located up on the mountain in Burnaby, which is maybe 25 minutes from downtown Vancouver. Okay. You have a lovely area. Vancouver is beautiful. You guys film a lot of movies up there, in fact. Oh, we do. And I mean, where I live, I'm three blocks away from the wilderness in North Vancouver, where the mountains are. Okay. About seven minutes. If you drive down, you get to the waterfront. And Mm. if I need to go right into the heart of downtown, I just hop on the passenger ferry in 12 minutes. I'm in the heart of downtown. And Vancouver is similar to like Washington State, Seattle, Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to temperature and things. So Generally, the snow stays up on the mountains, and then you could actually ski in the morning and golf in the afternoon. Yeah, I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a big city. I'm not a city person. I don't like being yep. in town. But for a city, Vancouver is really nice. I do like Vancouver. Yeah. You guys uh, have quite a thing going up there. But yeah, so you lecture there, but you also have a consulting and coaching business, from what I understand. And yep. you've been on the TEDx stage twice now, which is quite an accomplishment. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, I could list off all the many accolades, which picking a few to introduce you was very difficult for me, but I'm actually a horrible podcast host because I like to have my guests introduce themselves. So this right. is what I'd like you to do. It's not because I didn't do research on it. It's because no, no. I can read your accolades and that's not going to mean anything to my audience because that doesn't tell them who you are. And that's what I'd like mm-hmm. you to do right now is just introduce yourself and tell them who Sam Thiara is. And why you're on the show today. Well, no, and to your point, and, and you, you actually spot on on that. Uh, part of what I always talk about is it's very easy to share what somebody does. I want to know who people are. And if I had to describe myself to you, I would say that there are five things that guide and direct me in life. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. As a result of those five things, it's enabled me to help individuals, teams, organizations, uh, educational institutions, and nonprofits to really maximize. But those five things have actually also enabled me to be a speaker and a storyteller, a mentor and a coach, a writer, author, blogger, an educator, an entrepreneur, a problem solver, and a community activator. I think that to your point, when we talk about who we are, it really has provided me the clarity that's enabled me to then see my journey where it's taken me to where I am today. But then how can I support other people in their journey as well? All right. That is actually the most prepared answer I've ever had for that. Most (laughs) people I'm like, hey, I can read off all your stuff, but who are you? They're like, um, who am I? That's a deep question. So what is something absurd or strange that you love to do? For example, I eat sandwiches and burgers in the round. Like it's almost okay. a compulsion. I don't know why I do it, but I don't just eat a burger. Like I eat all the way around and work my way towards the middle, like a cinnamon roll. So what is something absurd or strange that you love to do? Actually for 11 years, I played in an Irish military pipe band, and I'm not Irish, but <laughs> I, was a, I was a drummer, and uh, actually even being a drummer in the pipe band, it was never about necessarily the drumming. As a tenor drummer, we're all about the flair, and I guess that's very respective and reflective of my life, is when you see a pipe band go by and you see the twirling of the sticks, that's what I got to do. And But here's the thing, 
I never had any experience in drumming prior to joining the pipe band. And for 11 years, well, uh, there was actually a really good conversation I had with my pipe major, who was my best friend. He said, the drumming we can teach you, commitment I can't teach you. Now, if you're really wanting to be a part of this, we'll work with you and, you know, we'll get you kitted out and everything in that regard. But uh, the commitment is really what I'm looking for. And he's my best friend. And uh, literally, we've traveled uh, to certain places together just to be in his presence. I was like, perfect. I'm committed to this and I'll be a part of this. But yeah, no, I mean, people think it's strange that somebody who's of an Indian descent plays in a military pipe band. And that was a number of years ago now. And uh, there were times where I'd be, you know, like I said, wearing the kilt and the uniform and all of the uh, regalia that goes with a military outfit and my corporal stripes. And people would look at me going like, you're not Irish. And I said, no, I'm not. But uh, that's okay. I could still hold the beat. <laughs> I love it. I love mm. it. I, I have a great T-shirt actually sell on my website for uh, St. Patty's Day. It says, today we're all Irish. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. I used to always joke around and said that uh, when we played, and because we're Irish, I mean, we used to do like 13, 14 performances in two and a half, thir uh, three days. Never had to buy a round. And what was also really interesting is I always used to say, after a few pints, we sound good. After a few more pints, we actually look good too. <laughs> after a few more, you don't care if you sound good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you. That's awesome. So you were recognized by the Canadian government for your work in mentorship. Why is being a mentor so important? I think that we have a responsibility. I think as we go through life, we are given experiences. We are given our challenges and obstacles. And instead of holding on to them, I think there's a need to share. And I mean, even in my own journey, there was nobody there to guide and support me. I had to literally fumble around in the dark to try to figure out the journey. And I can go into my journey and how that relates to why I got into mentorship. But I think we've all got these opportunities. And one of the, my favorite quotes that I live by is, obstacles are the necessary bricks on a road to success. In other words, don't fear the obstacles, embrace them, but learn from them and incorporate that into your life so that you then have experienced it and you now become a guide for someone else so that they don't encounter as much difficulty because you've been there and blazed a trail for them. But again, if you're interested in that journey, because it was an interesting journey to get me where I am today, but uh, it was it was full of obstacles, but uh, again, they were necessary. You know, today I really want to focus on mentorship because sure. finding someone who actually has the experience in that and can convey, I don't think most people understand the concept of mentorship. In fact, that's my next question, so sure. this is going to lead into it nicely. I don't think everybody, it's not a term that gets used a lot unless you're in certain trades. Mm -hmm. um, right. are in some religious beliefs, but it's not a term that gets used a lot. I don't think a lot of people understand what we're talking about necessarily, much less mm -hmm. having somebody who can convey that to their audience. So 
Can you go ahead and like define mentorship for clarity and what we're talking about for people? Uh, mm -hmm. I want to make sure everybody understands this concept of mentorship and what we're talking about here. Sure. And I know that you want to stay on the topic of mentorship, but what I'll do is I'll sort of talk about coaching and mentorship and how they are different. Because again, I think that there's overlap here. Coaching is a very inquiry process. Mentorship is a guiding process. I always say that when I'm mentoring or coaching, they're, they're interchangeable. If somebody is unclear of the pathway and the journey, they I go into more of a questioning mode and it becomes coaching. Once we've established a bit of a foundation of who they are, the journey that they need to go on, the things that now they are seeking, we now go into a guiding process and that becomes mentorship. So think of mentorship as uh, walking along with someone and there's a trail, but you're showing people this trail because you've walked it yourself. Where where does this trail lead to? Uh, what might the person gain from this trail? I mean, why are we walking together on this trail? And mentorship is this idea that we all have something to contribute. I mean, there's times where I'm talking to a first-year university student, and I asked them, and I said, you know, are you prepared to mentor someone right now? And they're like, of course not. I need a mentor, somebody who's going to guide me. And I said, okay, but if a high school student came to university today, could you guide them and show them how to integrate into the university and how to uh, absorb themselves in and be successful? And they're like, yeah, of course. I said, great, you're ready to mentor. So to capture it, as I mentioned, is you're a guide and a support person for an individual and taking them on a journey. But what you have to be careful about is you are not there to have them become you. And I think that's an important part because I think sometimes the mentor goes in with thoughts and ideas of what they want the mentee and the mentee is the person you're guiding. What the, what's important for them? Mentorship involves a lot of active listening and conversation and really trying to understand how you can support a person's journey. I hope that's done justice. No, that's absolutely a great answer. Uh, no, I think that's actually a really spectacular definition of mentorship. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's just not a term people use very yeah. often anymore or understand very clearly. Now, what I, I don't necessarily want to go too deep necessarily that it sidetracks us too far. What got you into mentoring? Right. What got me into mentoring is this, actually, it, it turned out that I had all these experiences. Some of them were successes. Some of them were setbacks. And I started telling stories or sharing experiences with people. We get into a conversation and all of a sudden people are like, okay, Oh, that's interesting. Or they were picking up lessons that I was sharing with them. So as a result of that, that's where I found that I needed to then go into the sharing mode and help people in their journey. And it, I think what was the most important part in all of this was it wasn't telling. I wasn't telling people what to do. What I was doing was listening to them. And in that listening aspect, all of a sudden, I was bringing in thoughts and ideas. Have you thought of this? Or 
I should connect you to this person, or here's some resources that are available, and providing them tools for their own personal and professional development. But it was because I found that I started becoming a resource. And working at the university, I mean, in, in it's been there about 17 years now. What happened is I went into the to the university and the, the role that they gave me was student engagement. They said students are coming to school, but they're going home. Engage them. So I started engaging them, but the more I was engaging them, the more they started showing up at my door, the more they started having questions about the journey ahead. And, the, and for me, it was more of like being present, listening to them, not imposing. But they, they were then, and they're still continually approaching me five years, 10 years, 15 years out. We're still having conversations and they still see me as a, as a guide or a mentor. So it all became because, you know, of the experiences that I had captured. And I think for your listeners, this is an important part is we go through life and we have these experiences, but we never capture them. But once you start capturing them and holding on to them, these become ingrained as your story, your journey. And now all of a sudden, you've got more insights that you're able to share with people. Wow. So built upon your experiences and your relationships, yep. pe- man, re- people undervalue the effect they have on people and just yep. the day-to-day re- relationships, right? You affect so many people around you without ever even mm-hmm. realizing the extent sometimes. Sam, so yeah, I'm, I'm loving the conversation. And guys, if you're getting something out of this, be sure and hit the like button wherever you are, guys. Share this with your friends. We're going to roll to our sponsor, and we'll be right back in a minute. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at The Fallible Man or at Fallible Man on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. Guys, and welcome back. We are having an incredible conversation with speaker, author, teacher, and mentor discussing mentorship with Sam Thiara. Guys, if you missed the first half of the conversation, we're getting to know Sam. Be sure and go back and catch that part. And if you're enjoying the show, consider heading over to our Patreon and becoming a supporter. My Patreons have direct input on the kind of content we create, who we talk to, the topics we cover, and you can support us there and have input on the show. Sam, we're getting into it, and I think we're barely scratching the surface. That is the other headache is long form content is not as loved as it should be, but Mm -hmm. I always feel like I just scratched the surface enough to hopefully get some people to dig a little deeper. Sure. Do you believe that men, that it's kind of part of our role that we should be mentoring people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the experiences that we've got, uh, you're able to provide someone insights in a direction that, they may be going and you actually never realize the impact that you could potentially have on someone just by being present. If an individual doesn't have a, a role model or someone that they could look up to, 
then it may guide them in a, in a pathway or direction that may not be the best suited for them. But by being the role model means being present for that person. And not just once, but being present over a period of time. That presence suddenly becomes active and supportive and guiding. And it helps that person in their journey. And you never know where that journey will lead. Without you being present, where would they be? With you being present, where would they be? I think that's a, a, an important spectrum to, to really appreciate and understand. In the last year, pick a purchase under $100 or less that has been the most impactive on your life this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it would have to be a book. And uh, the book is uh, Every Conversation Counts by a dear friend of mine, uh, Riaz Megji. And, you know, it really spoke to this aspect of the art of conversation and how important that is from a mentoring standpoint. That conversation is critical. Okay. Say the book title one more time. Every Conversation Counts by Riaz Megji, but Every Conversation Counts is the title. All right. And guys, hey, you know what? We're going to put a link to that in the show notes just because Sam says it was that important of a book for him this year. And so maybe you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Sam, in YouTube, we have something that people refer to as imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that it exists in other places too, because I've experienced something similar in other portions of my life. And it's when people believe of themselves, that they have nothing to offer anyone because they're just, mm-hmm. they're not them, right? Harry Potter said it best, but I, I can't be a wizard. I'm, I'm just Harry, right? Mm-hmm. So they struggle to make videos and they struggle to share their experiences or their knowledge because they just think, what do I have to offer? Now, there are a lot of people who struggle with the idea of more mentorship in the same way. They're like, well, wait, who am I supposed? I don't have anything I can teach or guide somebody in. Who am I? Mm-hmm. How would you address that as a mentor? I think that as a mentor, you need to do self-reflection, self-introspection. Because again, I believe that we go down life in autopilot and we go in a certain direction. We don't realize the things that we've accumulated or, or you know, that we've gained as a result of this. And it could be through lessons learned. It could be through things that have happened that we've learned from, any number of things. So first and foremost, I think the mentor has to have a comfortable and solid base which means you need to start looking at who you are as an individual. And what's interesting is people, it's easy for them to tell me why they, you know, what they lack or why they may not be the right person. So they can tell me why they lack it. But I always say, no, no, but tell me about what are you good at? What, what resonates with you? What is it that uh, makes you tick, makes you, you know, resonate and be profound in what you do. Everybody's good at something. So let's start talking about that conversation, but let's dig deeper as a mentor to give you the tools. Tell me about you as an individual. And that's where we need to go into details about uh, it. When I talk to the person who wants to be a mentor, then it's more like, okay, what is it that you have that you are able to share? And you start uncovering it. And they're like, and I ask them those questions you know, tell me about a time, much like an interview. Tell me about a time when, you know, you had to work in a difficult situation and uh, how did you resolve it? <laughs> tell me about this. a time when you had a team member 
And they start giving me ideas. I said, perfect, capture this, capture it. Let's start writing these things down. And I love how you're smiling there going like, yeah, these are the questions you wind up asking. I, I hate these questions in interviews, but I'm not a big self-promoter. Yeah. It's one of my biggest drawbacks with my podcasts. I'm bad at advertising because I'm like, yeah. like, hey, listen to me. Yep. I don't know if it's no. still the imposter syndrome or if uh, I just have never been one to go, oh, look at me. I'm great. You know? Yeah. But no, that's me. And that's why I use servant leadership as one of my key elements is rolling up the sleeves uh, to support and help others in their journey. But it really is activating that their voice. I always say, what's your voice? What is it that makes you who you are? Because once we have established that as the ground force, now you're able to go support and help other people because you've got that capability and capacity. But we need to extract that first because a lot of people in the journey that I've had and with these individuals, yeah, they're oftentimes they can tell me what they don't have, but let's, let's talk about what you're really good at. Yeah. It's amazing how critical we are of ourselves. You know, we're, yep. we're really quick to point out our own faults. And here is the question of the day. Cause well, question of the show. I, I haven't quite nailed that title down. Question of the show, question of the day, right? Have you ever been part of a mentorship program as a mentor or mentee? I'm not sure I spelled that right. And what was your experience with that? Guys, share in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or, you know what, send me an email. If you're not watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast, think about it. Send me an email, an email at info at thefallibleman.com. And I would love to hear about your experience. I think mentorship is incredibly important. But this is a community, so be sure and share, guys. We support each other with our experiences. Sam, can you explain? So coaching is a hot word, right? All you got to do is look yeah. online and you can find a bazillion online coaches, which to me is still just a funny idea. Yep. Uh, I, I'm just old enough that that seems like an oddity to me, the idea of online coaching. But can you explain the difference between coaching since it's such a popular word right now and mentoring and just giving somebody advice. Would you break that right. down for us? Sure. I mean, and I agree. Like I think coaching that there are, it's, it can be a bit loose. There are, are programs, but there's not really a certification for coaching. Like, sorry, there's certification, but there's not like a universal designation like you would get with accounting or finance or, you know, a legal piece. Coaching is accessible and available for people that want to uh, to offer insights and guide as people learn. But really, mentorship, and I agree with what you're saying there, mentorship is just there. Coaching is very present, very prevalent. Mentorship, on the other hand, I think people, it's almost like they're aware of it, but equally at the same time, not quite clear on what it exactly is. And this is where when you when you look at it, uh, from a mentorship standpoint, it, it, it like I mentioned earlier, coaching and mentorship are, are somewhat different because coaching is asking questions if people aren't clear who they are and mentorship is then guiding them in the direction that they need, that they need to go. Now, mentorship can also be, you know, uh, organic or it could be structured. Same with coaching, organic or structured. What I mean by organic or structured is you know, mentorship can have a designated plan of we're going to meet, you know, 
the third Monday of every month, bring your questions and then I'll answer your questions about a particular career, a particular area that you'd like to be in. Uh, organic just basically means, you know, have a conversation and then let's decide the next one when you feel like you need it. So it doesn't feel like uh, when we say it's organic, that there is this structure to it. There, It's a loose structure because you've got this relationship and you've got these conversations that are happening, but it's not structured in the sense of the format. So it varies. And whether you're coaching or mentoring, uh, that'll be up to the, the, the pair, I guess you could say, on what what works with them with regards to the uh, the roles that each person has. Related to that, which I could add at this point about mentorship is oftentimes when I've either been in a mentorship program or uh, worked to create it, and I do a lot of unofficial mentorship where it's not even in a program, is to some extent mentorship can feel like awkward dating. I mean, it's like a high school dance where you've got both parties, mentors and mentees on separate sides of the room. And they're not sure what they're supposed to do or how do we engage in this conversation or, you know, uh, what's the outcome? Uh, I think as a, I, if it's a structured program, the organizers need to ensure that there's an orientation piece that what is it that, you know, both parties are wanting to get out of this. It's not unilateral. And equally at the same time, I think the mentor needs to learn about their mentee and the mentee needs to learn about the mentor. So what's the background? What is it that uh, each person brings? And like I said, I think what's really important is it's also not unilateral. I am not forcing and feeding this individual that's my mentee. Actually, I'm learning as well from this person uh, every single time. And if all of these conversations I've had, I've walked away as the mentor going, you know, there was some really interesting stuff we just talked about and they've helped me along as well. It, And I think that's one thing we have to get over is it, it don't look at it as mentor up here and mentee down here. And I'm going to just give this person and they're going to take it away. Listen to them, learn from them as well, but engage in that conversation with each other. My wife and uh, engineers over here, Spamming questions, so I should make sure I pay attention to hers. Would you, so is coaching often the initial or first phase of mentorship, would you say? That's a, that's a good question. And I think uh, it becomes that first phase, phase because we are trying to learn about each other and asking inquiry questions about, you know, tell me about who you are and your experiences. So it, and you know, that's where I think that piece starts up. Now, here's the important thing, though. It becomes interchangeable because you may start out with coaching and now you've started maybe rolling into more of the guiding and supporting. But then your mentee might come up to you and says, "Ah, oh, you know what? Um, this just recently happened. And, you know, they may have a, a situation that's emerged and they just want to have a conversation with you that's unrelated to the, the, the what the mentorship track was on. You may have to go back into coaching at this point to inquire more. Well, tell me more about this and, you know, uh, and supporting them in that regard. So uh, based on that question, yes, coaching may be the initial first phase of mentorship, but don't be afraid to incorporate coaching back in again if your mentee uh, 
bring something up that, you know, you're like, huh, okay, wait, uh, I think that we're going to have to change our conversation up a little bit. Uh, I, when I talk to people, it's about education, it's about career, it's about life, it's about relationships. I mean, I've had people that I'm mentoring start talking to me about relationships, and now we're going back to coaching and helping <laughs> them through the conversations of what may have happened in that relationship. But again, I may be a bit different in that regard because I'm very wide spectrum. But in a more of a professional setting, you may only be comfortable in that career, maybe life aspect. So, but to answer that question, coaching may start, but don't be afraid to go back and forth. Okay. If someone came up to you and asked, how do you get yep. started from scratch on mentoring somebody? What is the first three steps you would tell them to take to start becoming a mentor? Okay. To becoming a mentor, uh, number one, know yourself. What is it that you bring and who you are? Number two, what are your expectations? And be willing to change the expectations based on who you wind up getting as a, as a mentee. And the third aspect I would be is be an active listener. Uh, in other words, you know, be willing to understand the needs i've seen mentorship programs or uh, sorry mentorships relationships become a, a fail because the mentor was more of an imposing or wasn't active listening or learning about what their mentee really needed from them uh, so those are the three things that i think are really important all right hey that was a very concise answer mm -hmm. what is next for you sir mm -hmm. i i know school year is getting closer right mm -hmm. Starts back in August, but what is next for you? I mm -hmm. see you've written a book. Yep. You're on lecture circuit. Yep. What is what is next? Yeah, uh, there's a number of things that are next for me. I mean, at Simon Fraser University, we're a trimester system, so I mean, I'm in teaching mode right now. Oh, and okay. coming up to final exam season, actually. Uh, but they've said in September we're actually from virtual. We're going back into the classroom. So, yeah, getting used to that. That that teaching bit is something I really greatly appreciate because it's like I'm mentoring a room full of individuals at, at one time. But equally at the same time, uh, it's about getting that book out. Uh, the book I wrote is Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself, about my journey to find my ancestral roots, but in the process, finding my own identity as well. But equally at the same time, more speaking, but... One thing that I highly encourage people to do mm -hmm. is to find an outlet, whether it's through the pandemic uh, that you are encountering challenges, but an outlet is so critical because what I found is for me, woodworking has become my outlet. I could be out in my garage, sanding, uh, working on a project for two, three hours. But what I've done is I've released my mind from my daily commitments and now I'm working on the woodworking piece, but I'm doing all of this. And all of a sudden the thoughts and ideas start coming to me on, on what I should be doing with regards to my teaching or the writing or any number of things. Highly encourage people to have an outlet because it frees your mind to work on the things that are really important to you because you've now cleared your mind of it and clarity starts to happen. I found that often when you, engage the physical right mm -hmm. like with with your woodworking when you get your hands going 
Yep. It, it's almost like it takes a weight off your mind to let your mind start really working through things that it needs to work through. And yes. Sam, do you do you do social media at all? Where can people find you? I'm going to have a link. In fact, Sarah, mm-hmm. if you can go ahead and put it up on the screen if you're watching on the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, guys, is a link to Sam's website, which will also be in the mm-hmm. show notes for the podcast. Sam, this is the best way to find you. Uh, that is, as well as LinkedIn. Those are two methods and ways to uh, to find all the stuff that I'm working on. Uh, on my website, I, I've done a lot of blogging with a lot of insights. And uh, you can connect to the couple of TEDx's that I've done and other areas where I'm located and what I'm up to. I was actually reading a couple of your blog posts this morning when I was getting ready for the show. <laughs> I enjoy those. They're very well written, by the way. Thank you. Um, I actually watched one of your TEDx talks when you got first, when you first got in touch with me and I highly recommend guys go, if you're on YouTube watching this anyway, go, you can find us TEDx talks on YouTube. Do you do any other social media? You're a TikTok guy. I'm a Instagram as well as uh, Twitter. Uh, so I'm quite active on those places as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I've got the full, so always curious which ones people use yeah okay yeah. no so. my kids my kids will say you should you should do tiktok or no no <laughs> you're too old for tiktok don't do that <laughs> yeah how many kids you got two boys two uh, boys. eight and uh, sorry nine and twelve and in our house comedy action and drama every day sam thank you so much for being on the show today guys you are likely influencing people every day Someone's eyes are always watching you. Whether you have children, whether it's your coworkers, consider purposefully mentoring someone. It may be a child you have. It may be someone in desperate need of a positive male influence in their life. You can do it through a number of ways, guys. There's church programs. There's just volunteering at local schools. I know our school is always hard-pressed to find positive male role models to come in and like read to the kids and have those relationships. There are young men out there who need your influence and support. So please consider it, guys. Check out Sam's website at http colon whack whack. Sorry, that's text speak for slash slash sam-thiara.com where you can find his blog and a lot more, guys. You need to check out that site. He has a ton of information. I'm seriously jealous. I'm rebuilding my website right now. And maybe what I'll do... Uh, if- in the next couple of days as well is actually uh, revitalize and put up a post on LinkedIn and my website about mentorship and some of the key things and elements for that, that may go along with this podcast. That would be incredible guys be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. 
your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.